Well, welcome to the CSU Alumni and Friends podcast. My name is Paul Golden. Uh, we're joined by our president of CSU, uh, Dr. Jim Lytle. And today we have two guests on the podcast. Uh, both are alumni of our school, Baptist Bible Seminary in CSU, Dr. Wayne Slesser and Dr. Jared August. And they're going to talk about a new endeavor that they have today. But by way of background, let's uh, jump in. I'll ask Wayne first. Wayne, give us a brief background, where you're from. How did you end up coming in contact with CSU BBS? Uh, well, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Dr. Lytle, for uh, having me this morning. I started teaching at Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri in 2001. And at that time, there were several accreditation issues going on at the school, different reports that needed to take place. And so as a result of that, they wanted their faculty to be credentialed in the field that they were going to be teaching in. So the VP of academics came to me and he said, hey, we really would love to have you not only on faculty, but we would love to have you get your PhD. So he gave me a handbook, the doctoral handbook for Baptist Bible Seminary. And he said, why don't you read this and come back to me and we'll get you started here in another year. So I started the program in 2001 at Baptist Bible Seminary, graduated 2012 with my PhD in New Testament and Greek concentration. It's been a, an incredible journey to see how faculty at the seminary have mentored me. They've encouraged me and equipped me to study uh, God's word in such a way that I've learned and grown myself. Wayne, explain to us, how did you teach full-time in Missouri and do PhD studies full-time? How does that work? Well, what happened, I didn't always have a full load to begin with. Also, it was uh, really a time in my life when I was able to juggle basically two schedules, a PhD as well as teaching, but they were very protective of my time. I was able to teach a minimal number of courses. And of course, at the PhD level, you only take one class at a time. So that was also beneficial to, uh, to walk through the program and be successful. PhD program is residential. Correct. So what we what the program uh, entails is you have a six weeks of pre-work, which is basically an online component. Then you come to campus for one week module and then six weeks of post-work. So it did just that, Dr. Lytle. It enabled me to stay in my ministry, working that full-time as well as go through the PhD program. Let me share something, Jared. I don't know if you remember this or not, but when you were an undergraduate student, remind me, how many times have you graduated from the school? Yes, I graduated five times. I, I came to get a couple years of uh, Bible education. I grew up in Rhode Island, and uh, toward the end of high school, the Lord was working in my life and began to sense a call to some sort of ministry, not sure what. So I thought it'd be a good idea to go to Bible college. Hmm. Went, I got my associate's degree, stuck around for my bachelor's degree, stuck around for a master's, and then another master's, and then the PhD. I, I could not leave CSU. Well, pe people like me who went through Bible college in the old days and then went through seminary in the old days uh, were struck by the injustice of the whole process because, you know, your, your college professors, if you happen to go to the same seminary, you found out that they were often giving you at the as an undergraduate softened down level what they'd gotten in seminary. And so guys like me wound up having to take basically the same class twice. And I remember you coming to my office, basically asking if there could be an influx of wisdom uh, <laughs> that would allow us not to make people duplicate this. And I, and I remember talking with folks and saying, okay, well, I'm willing to take a risk. I think this could be done. And there was plenty of credits involved. We could easily do it. I, I said, I, I'd like to try and let Jared August be the person to figure out 
if our school could produce an, an accelerated degree that would put together college and seminary together. You went through that program first, I believe. Yes, I came in when it was halfway an official program. It wasn't yet official. So I know now you guys offer a five-year bachelor's in MDiv. Right. I came in right when it was at the, that was starting. So some of the classes I did not double up uh, a handful. I was able to. So Greek classes, I was able to count uh, for both undergraduate and graduate credit. And that was tremendous. Rather than having to take Greek and then just start it all back over the next year, able to do it both at the same time was really a great opportunity. Well, you, you were a good pioneer in that area. So Wayne Slusser is a 2012 graduate of our PhD program. He's a professor of New Testament and Greek at Baptist Bible Seminary, and he also serves as a seminary dean. Uh, Jared August, who we just heard from, is also a PhD graduate, among other things, uh, earning his PhD degree from here in 2018. And uh, not only does he serve as an adjunct professor here at BBS, but he's also the associate professor of uh, New Testament in Greek at Northeastern Baptist College up in uh, Bennington, Vermont. So we have Jared and Wayne here today. And uh, your background information is helpful because uh, you two, along with uh, two others from uh, Baptist Bible Seminary, have uh, written a book, Scripture Story, A Unifying Hope. And we're going to talk about the, the book and maybe some of the background on that. But I'll ask Jared, you know, why, why did you end up, you know, what was the impetus for this book, this project? The best way to talk about the impetus is really to, to go back in time a couple of years. Back when I was uh, doing my MDiv at BBS, I had the opportunity to be a TA for Dr. Tom Crago. And uh, he had assigned for me as his TA to teach a class and try to present the overarching message of the Bible from Genesis. I did that and I loved it. And then uh, that's where the original idea of this book really had its genesis. After that, the following year with Dr. Wilhite, I was able to co-teach a Genesis class. And what I tried to do with that was basically take what Dr. Crago had assisted in uh, us working together on presenting this overarching story. And then basically try to overlay that on Genesis, see how Genesis is presenting this single unified hope that we can then trace throughout the rest of the Bible. I love that experience. I mean, I can talk about a lot of the CSU and BBS professors. Uh, Dr. Alan Ingalls was another one, helped uh, kind of put some of these initial ideas, helped refine it for an academic article. And then fast forward a few years, come to an Old Testament theology class uh, in the PhD with Dr. McGinnis. And as Dr. McGinnis and I uh, began talking about this, this same premise of what this book is all about, this unified hope, he said, we need to write a book about it. So then Dr. Schlusser was right on the same page, and uh, Dr. Gradowski as well. Basically, the premise is that from the beginning of Genesis, we see this expectation that the Lord's going to destroy evil, going to restore creation, and then will dwell with his people. And we call that this unifying hope. So whereas a lot of books have tried to trace out major themes in the Bible, we tried to take a slightly different approach. We, we tried to say, how does our faith today, living in the year 2021, how does our faith align with believers talked about in Genesis. When it talks about Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness, was his faith the same faith as our faith today? And we argue yes, and that, that's really what, what the premise of the book is. You can go to any point throughout the biblical storyline, and you get the same hope and the same expectation. Paul, let me uh, pose a question for Dr. Slusser. You know, books are always written by someone for someone, and so let me take a step back then. Why is it valuable for someone to understand the premise of this book? 
there's tons of commentaries out on individual books, all kinds of things you can learn about the Bible, lots of different teachers. But why is this particular topic important? And I got a follow-up question after that. Sure. Well, a couple of things, just thinking through the sub-theme unifying hope. Of course, the, the society and the culture in which we live in, I think it's a great opportunity for people to read a book that obviously that's different than the Bible, but it does provide that unifying hope, that story that in such a changing and shifting culture, we have hope. So when we identify with Jesus Christ and we're related to him, we have a hope that one day, not only will we be with him in the sense of forever, but we're with him even now and through that relationship. But I think also, Dr. Lytle, more from uh, not just a cultural standpoint, but even from an academic standpoint, the unique thing is that we have tried to bring uh, unity to diversity, right? There's a number of diverse genres and kinds of literature within the Bible. And so how do we bring that together? And I think Jared's right. There's a unifying hope just from the beginning in Genesis that we can trace all the way through scripture. Let's say not only if I never read the book, which I did, I really enjoyed it. But if I never read the book, but I never even heard about the topic, what would I have lost? Yeah, I think um, to see how God has a message for all of us, regardless of the book that you're in, the part of the Bible that you're in, the Old or the New Testament, God has a story. God has a plan for your life. And you can, I think you can read that very clearly through this book. Yeah, I think one of the uh, difficulties, a lot of times we see, you know, that the Bible is a collection of 66 books that are pretty disjointed. But what do they have in common? And so on, on the flip side of that, you also get some, uh, some different books that attempt to do something like what we do, and they almost conflate it all to be the same thing. So they present one theme, and then they force all of these different books to say this, whereas they're not actually saying that. So what we tried to do, and what I was so really excited about this project, uh, was you have you know, experts like Dr. Slusser and Dr. McGinnis and Dr. Gaddafi. Dr. McGinnis, truly an expert on the wisdom literature. And you look at a lot of different books that have tried to trace out the themes of the wisdom literature, connecting it with the rest of scripture. <laughs> to be honest, most of them don't really do that great of a job. So to have Dr. McGinnis there really just guiding the reader through how, how these books, they're, they're distinct, they're diverse. Yet at the same time, amidst that diversity, there's this beautiful unity, all of them anticipating the same hope. You mentioned the other contributors. Uh, Dr. Mark McGinnis is uh, also a uh, professor here at the seminary, as well as a PhD alum. And uh, Dr. Gardaski, he has his PhD from uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He's also a professor. So it's interesting, of the four, three of the four uh, authors are full-time faculty, and three of the four authors are uh, PhD grads, and all are connected to the seminary. Uh, we're with uh, Wayne Slusser and uh, Jared August. Um, we mentioned the contributors. Could you give us an overview of, I call it the book or the chapters, how you break it down? Yes. Uh, well, if we look at the uh, table of contents, again, just as Jared said, we basically go from Genesis to Revelation and how, how each of the books of the Bible speak into this unifying hope. And so each of the chapters, uh, which is what's been such a blessing, is that each of the chapters have, are written by an expert in their field. Like we mentioned, Dr. McGinnis, he wrote on the, the writings, he wrote on the historical books, he wrote on wisdom literature, the Old Testament, as well as the prophets. Dr. August, Jared August, he wrote chapter one, which would be the Pentateuch. Then Dr. Gardaski, he 
wrote on what's called the Gospels and the Acts, the arrival of hope and the fact that Jesus Christ, through those five books, through the four books of the Gospels and Acts, uh, he's very present, right? He's teaching his disciples. He's having conversations with the crowds and different people, and they get to actually see Christ incarnated. They see him there, and that's exciting for those first readers, of course. And then the last chapter is the one that I wrote, the letters, basically walking through the remaining 22 books from uh, Romans all the way through Revelation. So I think the encouraging part that I uh, really had from writing that particular chapter was not just the writing of it, but then reading of the other chapters and seeing how all of us bring, again, I think Jared said it, the diversity of all of the books come together to a unity. It's it's really exciting. And Dr. McGinnis even uh, made a comment as he was reading through my chapter. He said, you know, after reading that, it got me so excited just to read back through the epistles again. So, and I think that's what it's done. It's brought this fresh look for all of us of God's word and taking that opportunity uh, to read it again. It's, it's a joy. I love how you have the chapters, just chapter one, the Pentateuch introducing hope, chapter two, the writings anticipated hope, chapter three, the prophets reconfirmed hope, chapter four, the gospels and acts arrival of hope, and then chapter five, the letters coming hope. I love how you've uh, woven that together. I know it, I'm hearing you and I've read not all the book, but I've started it and thoroughly enjoyed it. It seems to me that here at the university, we're using your textbook now, Scripture Stories, in uh, your senior seminar, Theology 6, which makes sense, kind of culminating, kind of reminding our students. But at the same time, I know of another Christian university that's using this textbook with their 800 freshmen each year, kind of to introduce them. Is there a right or wrong way, or how, how do you see the book being used? You know, uh, one of the goals when we set out to write it was we use, I think there's, other than the introduction, there's two footnotes, I believe, in the entire book, and we had to have those. We tried to get them out, but we, we couldn't get them out. But basically, we tried to write it in such a way that if you're a freshman at college, you can read this book and you can get the message that it's saying. Whereas if you're a senior, I would even say if you're a graduate student, a seminary student, our hope was to write it in such a way that's both academically rigorous, but then truly accessible. I think that's one of the problems you find with a lot of, a lot of books, even on similar topics. They're written for either a truly niche academic audience, or they're written at a level that almost just diminishes and makes, it makes things almost so simple that it doesn't even have much of a distinct meaning. So what we tried to do is really try to hit that middle ground. I would say an ideal student, they'd be probably in, in an undergrad class or somebody at a church, lay person at a church, just interested in how the Bible all connects, how it all fits together. How do you see a pastor using this textbook? Could they use it in an ABF or a Sunday school setting or sermon prep? Dr. Spasser, what would you say for that? Good. I was going to answer all of the above. I, I think you could use it in a Sunday school, an adult Bible fellowship. I think a pastor could use it to kind of get an overall a sense of what a particular book, its contents of that particular book, say Romans, for example, or Philippians or, or whatever it may be. I even think it'd be good for a pastor to walk through with his leadership, whether that's a, a deacon board or his elders or whoever it may be, even teachers of Sunday school, just to kind of get them all around and, and to discuss the book. I think that'd be helpful. One of my seminary profs said something I've never forgotten in all these years, where he said a, a knowledge of the whole is the best preventative against error in the parts. 
and that's what I think you guys have produced here. You've got the, the, the great flow of the Bible. And, uh, you know, nearly every cult or ism there is out there starts because they take something which is partially true. And it becomes partially true and they pull it out of its, not just its close context, but its context in terms of uh, God's greater plan. So a, a unifying hope. What kind of people am I going to recommend this book to who need that sort of hope? I'm looking for the application of the book. I would say uh, one of the most encouraging things that I discovered in uh, us putting this volume together was just the recognition that we stand side by side with the saints from the Old Testament up till now, all living by the same faith. It's so easy to read through Genesis, it's, well, even the whole, the whole Old Testament. Sometimes it's so easy to read the Old Testament and, and see a huge disconnect. How are we connected to these Old Testament individuals? But what was exciting about this book was seeing, well, we, we're living by the same faith today. We have this whole, like Hebrews 11, we have this whole cloud of witnesses who have gone before us testifying that living for the Lord is worth it. People who are willing to sacrifice their lives for this hope. Even during a pandemic, even during an economic downturn, even when everything's turned upside down. So yeah, that, that sense of unity that I'm not alone. I'm not the first person to have struggled. Scripture yeah. Story, A Unifying Hope is uh, published by Northeastern Baptist Press. It came out in August of 2021. Where can uh, our listeners get a copy of Scripture Story? If you Google it, it should be there. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, some of the bigger uh, sellers. Also on the publisher's website, you can go to nebpvermont.org. Uh, uh, and there's a link there where you can purchase the book also. Excellent. Wayne mentioned it earlier, something that he learned. Jared, what did you learn or discover as a result of you know, writing this book, collaborating with the other three men. Truly, it was an honor and a privilege to be able to put together a book with my former professors. It's truly a blessing. Yeah, that it's just really incredible to have that privilege. I mean, all the, these three guys, the three BBS professors are truly experts in their field. And so I hope that my small contribution to this has hopefully made this a, a decent product. It's just truly a privilege to work with these men of God. Well, rumor has it you were the driving force behind it, helping uh, these guys with their busy schedules get the book done. So it's neat to see your your leadership in this endeavor. Any future projects? Any uh, any book ideas uh, in the in the pipeline? As far as our faculty, we have not really tossed around any ideas as of yet. I think we're still all recovering from writing this one. I know Dr. August and I we've been kind of chatting through looking at a second year Greek grammar, writing that one together, which would basically be for those Greek students who are taking third and fourth semester Greek class. I've come across several Greek grammars. They all do various parts well. I'd like to bring some of all of those parts together for a second year grammar. So Jared and I are going to work on that here in the next couple of years, pull that off. Uh, I'd like to also uh, down the road, get my dissertation published. Jared's going to help me with that discourse analysis of the Jesus's predictions of his death in the book of Mark. So yeah, there's a few things coming that I think will uh, be helpful for readers. Well, if I'm here listening, I'm a listener of this podcast with Dr. Slusser and Dr. August. You're like, man, this is something I love to do. And like doctoral studies has kind of uh, got my interest. 
give us a little overview. Why should someone consider the doctoral program at Baptist Bible Seminary? Well, I guess I'll answer as a dean, and then I'll let Jared answer as a student. But I think what has been probably most impactful for me in the PhD program is, first of all, who I had the opportunity to learn under Dr. Rodney Decker and Dr. Bill Arp. Uh, both of them have passed on and, again, incredible New Testament Greek scholars. So that has been just a privilege to learn how to rightly divide the Word of God, learn how to interpret it and apply it in such a way that you not only maintain its context, but you also just have, again, just like the book here, you have a broader understanding of God's word in all of scripture. So I would say for sure, a PhD program enables you to write better and enables you to teach better, to minister really in any capacity, whatever that capacity is, male, female, a lay leader, pastor, teacher, whatever the situation may be, you can use the program then to write, to just be better at what you do, ministering God's word to other people. And I know Dr. Lytle mentioned earlier in the middle of economic downturn and pandemic, boy, if we're equipped with God's word, that hope, we have a chance to make a difference in someone's life. That's what the PhD program can do. Jared, what do you say as a former student in the PhD program? Yeah, well, I think that the BBS program is obviously unique in offering a program that doesn't have to be completely residential. You come to campus for the the week-long class seminars, and those are always just a blast. Those are a lot of fun, great memories and all those. I really did love the opportunity. Uh, My wife and I lived right in Clark Summit while I went through the program. And so obviously the program's offered completely from a distance, just coming in those few weeks a year. Or personally, I'd recommend moving to Clark Summit the experiences you have uh, getting to just uh, walk upstairs from the library to your professor's office is unique. I mean, that, that was a, a real blessing. And so I, I'd highly recommend that as well. It's Scripture Story, A Unifying Hope by Dr. Jared August, Dr. Mark McGinnis, Dr. Ken Gardaski, and Dr. Wayne Slusser. Dr. Lytle, any uh, closing uh, remarks or comments before we go? Yeah, just a word of thanks. I mean, you know, you guys are seminary professors, you know, and as a group, they're seen as people who know a lot, but don't sometimes communicate it well if you're not into their discipline. It's just that they're, they've learned a lot and they have different interests. And uh, what, what you guys have done here is what I watched happen in Jared's life. And Jared, you're uniquely gifted. You know, over, over the years you were here where you've taken something that there's been theological arguments about for years and not made it simplistic but you've made it easy to understand that walk through and such an important topic on that. And it's gratifying for me. I wish I could take the credit for our seminary having graduates like you guys in there. But if I can't take the credit, I can at least be happy that you're ministering and serving there. So this is such a good book. Thank you for it. Wayne, Jared, anything you want to say before we uh, sign off? This is probably in, in light of a couple of things we said really throughout the podcast. Um, I, I like one of the one of the comments I made in the book when I was referencing Paul and what Paul desires to do throughout his letters. I write, how do I live in light of my identity with Christ while waiting for his return? And I think that's Paul's heartbeat. Paul wants to and has written those letters in such a way that people can do just that. They can live 
with their identity in Christ, they can live rightly related to him, knowing that, right, there's hope that he'll come again. Scripture story, a unifying hope. Thank you so much, guys. God bless. Thank you.